If you have a Bible, uh, you can turn. We won't be there quite yet, but you can turn to um, Isaiah chapter 9. Um, good morning to you all again. Happy uh, Valentine's, post-Valentine's Day weekend. And uh, any, any of the wives or, you know, uh, gals in here who have boyfriends, wives, I'm sure you guys are still beaming from whatever your husbands did for you, right, on Valentine's Day? Oh, guys, what happened there? There's a few nods. A few ladies are just staring at their, <laughs> their man like, what's up? Um, you know, this time of the year, uh, Valentine's, Valentine's weekend, whatever people refer to it, um, it has become an incredibly uh, special date and sort of week, weekend, week, time for our family. And uh, I have some pictures I'm going to show just to kind of walk you through, especially those of you who are new and, and you're not familiar uh, with, with myself uh, or what we're doing. And so in February, Valentine's February 2004 is when I met my, my wife. And uh, so I've got some pictures. We look like children there. We are so young. Jackie, um, we've been married actually this August. We'll be celebrating our 15-year anniversary. So that was um, February 2004. February, Valentine, literally Valentine's Day 2011, the greatest gift happened to us. Uh, this little gal. Now, I thought my daughter was going to be in children's ministry, but she's not, so she's here. So, sorry, baby. You're going to see. So, we adopted our daughter from Ethiopia. And we went over there the first time to go before a judge to, for them, basically, it was literally a four-minute meeting for them to say, yay or nay, you can adopt. And that was in November. And then uh, in February, we went over... Um, for the final like decision, and then before the the U.S. Uh, um, embassy and consulate and all that stuff, and so it happened to fall on Valentine's Day, and so that's when she officially became ours. And uh, I have a couple more pictures. It was, um, you know, that was her first Valentine's card with a sucker, and then this next picture, it just killed. I mean, come, oh sweet lord, <laughs> look at those legs and those cheeks. Oh my goodness. So that was Valentine's 2011. February 2014 was when we, um, when we moved into the orphanage. So this is what the orphanage uh, looked like at that time. Bishinova is four and a half hours south of El Paso, Texas. Uh, we got connected. My uncle pastors a church down there, a Calvary down there. And I've been going down there most of my life since I was 16. And when the Lord called us to go down and start an orphanage, we bought 40 acres, and we began building this structure. Um, we were approved in January, and then when we first moved in and started living, it was, it was still unfinished, but that was in February of 2014. And then we got another picture of a young man. This was the first guy that the Lord allowed us to take care of. And then since then, we've cared for over 60 kids, uh, anywhere from 18 months to 18 years. So that was around Valentine's uh, 2014. 
uh, February 2015, we received this amazing playground. Um, my mom and her husband, Lorne, uh, they worked together with other businesses and construction people, and I can't remember who, but they raised money and they bought us the biggest playground we've ever seen. They had to bring it in in two trailers. We set it up. It's bigger than McDonald's Playland, and that thing for the last five years has been um, fulfilling uh, dreams and playtime of not only kids but adults. It's pretty amazing to see our staff was like, are we going to get to go play on that thing? So that was February 15th, 2015. So the next picture shows um, we actually, not me, our guys, two of my workers, we moved the playground from where it was to our new sports field as, as things are sort of expanding. And I was looking at the pictures, and it was, uh, the guys started moving that on February uh, 13th, and uh, exactly five years after that playground had come in and was set up, now we were tearing it down and moving it to the back area. We got another picture. Um, that's where it sat, and now it's in our recently finished, uh, they call it a deportiva, like a sports field. We have a basketball court, a soccer field, a walking track, and now the playground is back there. And we did that because right where that spot is, is going to start housing our next sort of wave of things that we're going to be doing, uh, building a new um, playroom, rec room for the kids and then a new girls' dormitory. And so I, these pictures are significant to me because it, it's, I mean, I love pictures because you can look back, right? You can look back and you can either enjoy them or look at pictures and say, wow, look how I looked then, look how I look now. Pictures can either be very exciting or you don't want to look at anything. But for me, it's a reminder of what the Lord is doing and where he's leading us. And I want to share a little bit before I show the last few pictures. Kind of what the Lord is, is doing this year and we believe for the years to come. We've been down there for seven years now. And we, you know, it was a 40-acre dead apple orchard to our first 7,500 square foot facility. Uh, to uh, our office, to a director's house, to a computer lab, to a cafe and then soon to be a girl's dorm and a playroom and then whatever else the Lord wants to do. And one of the things that has been really on my heart is not just caring sort of the inside for the kids, but how do we then get outside? We're, we're probably the biggest sort of campus in our town of 2,500 people. Everybody knows where we are. It's the first building you see as you come into town. And around Christmas time, we, we put Christmas lights everywhere. And, and uh, my daughter's teacher was sa saying, I love it because you know when you're coming into Bishinu, it's the first thing you see. It's lit up with Christmas lights. So we stand out like a sore thumb. Plus, it's, you know, uh, um, my wife and us. And when we first down, moved down there, or my da our daughter was two, and she was the only uh, black girl in 
basically the entire state, it seemed like. We had not seen any other African Americans there. And she quickly learned Spanish. And uh, she is just kind of one of the Mexican kids down there uh, going to school, speaking Spanish uh, and English. And so we, we do sort of stand out. But the Lord has, um, we have a great relationship with the community, a great relationship with, with the schools. And so we want to see that grow. We want to see that continue. We, we have done five years of caring for kid after kid after kid, and we love that. But we want them to start being exposed to, to other avenues of ministry, to things that are outside the four walls. And so we are doing a number of things this year. Um, I had an intern. She came down from Oregon, and she is certified. She did the CELTA, pro, CELTA program, uh, and so she's certified to teach English in another country. So she came down with the desire to teach our kids English. And so they have been doing math classes a few days a week. The kids are learning incredibly fast. Well, word got out to other teachers and people in the community, and they said, can we come to these classes? And so we started praying, and then uh, we thought, you know, Lord, this is, this is an opportunity. So on Thursday, February 27th, please be praying for us. We're going to launch our first English classes for the community. We put posters out into the community. Uh, we, we set the max at 15 spots. Half of those are already filled by teachers in the schools who are desperate to learn English. And nothing like that is available in our area. In fact, uh, one of the psychologists at the school who works with some of our special needs kids, um, she drives to Chihuahua City, which is two and a half hours away, every Saturday for an hour and a half English class. And so when I told her what we were wanting to do, she said, when can I sign up? Can we do these right now? So we're going to do three weeks of English classes sort of as a feeler to see how it goes. I know it's going gonna, it's gonna, to uh, explode and, and be an exciting thing. It's going to be at the orphanage because we want people to sort of get familiarized with kind of where we are and what we do. So it's going to be in our computer lab resource room. Our coffee shop, yes, we do have a coffee shop down there. It is finished, and so they'll be able to come. We're going to offer some, some great coffee, and so we really just want to be a blessing to the community. Secondly, we have sort of stumbled on this secret little uh, hidden secret with these, this, these mothers of our kids who make some incredible hand crafted goods. If those of you that have come in or you have purchased things before, all of those things uh, back there, we hire a few of the moms of our kids to um, help give them a job. That is one of the main reasons why a lot of the kids are in the orphanage, because of money. They, they can't, they don't have money, they have to travel all over Mexico to try to find jobs to try to make ends meet. And so it has become, it's slowly growing, and we sort of have this deal where, where I, I connect with these two moms, and they hand me the goods, I hand them the cash, and then we peace out. And then I, when I travel, I bring them up and make them available for donations, so anything that you guys get, it goes to help employ these women. And the one on the left is Teresa, the one on the, or excuse me, the right is Teresa, the one on Next to her is her sister-in-law, Mariela. Well, 
God has now opened the doors where we're going to be launching a sewing ministry. Uh, we have gone from doing one golf tournament a year, sort of our, the biggest fundraiser that we do uh, here in Washington, down in Puyallup. So we're expanding that this year to three golf tournaments. We're doing one in Florida, one in Oregon, and then here in Washington. And so we're going to hire four of the moms and teach them how to sew, and they're going to make these hand-sewn uh, little backpacks for our golf tournament. And so Kim, who is my aunt, and she's also my administrator, um, the day before we came up here to the States, she went and met with these moms just to give them an idea. Hey, we have this idea. We would like for you guys to grab a bus, to come here. We'll do a little devotion in the morning. We'll teach you how to sew. She said before she even finished, these ladies were like, yes, when do we start? And so um, in the first week of March, Kim, my aunt, is going to be working with four ladies to begin teaching them how to sew, to begin investing in their lives. And we will hire them. We will provide a job for them. And um, so we are excited to see this little endeavor uh, grow. And then with the building the playroom, building the, the girls' dormitory, uh, moving things into the, to the back of the property in our Deportiva, all of that is because we feel like the Lord is leading us to then eventually start our own private Christian school, not just for our kids, but as an outreach to kids in the community. There's nothing like that in our area um, that doesn't cost a fortune. And we have a school committee that is formed of, of a number of different teachers who are very, very excited about doing this and providing an opportunity. There is a little town about five miles away from us. No school bus passes by, no van, and there are tons of kids there that have not ever had the chance to go to school. And so we are just praying and believing that as God leads and directs us, that we can open this and um, have an opportunity to provide an education and, and obviously a Christian education for kids down there. Even talking about those things, I'm a little bit exhausted. And when I share those things with my wife, she gets exhausted. And she starts freaking out, and we're kind of like, how is this even going to happen? How is this even possible? It seemed insane just to start an orphanage. Now we're going to try to start a school after we've started English classes, after we've started a sewing ministry? And the answer is yes, as the Lord leads. And I was driving back uh, to Mexico from a trip last month, and I love that drive. It was just me and the Lord and it's my time to either sort of stress out and, and give everything over to the Lord or hear from the Lord, to be still, to meditate, and to sort of just try to process what is taking place. And also, you know, obviously January, it's a big time for us. You're, you're coming off of a year and you're, you're doing, for me, you're doing the budget and you're looking at, you know, all these things and you're renewing your contracts with your employees and you're, you're basically guessing on what donations will come in, assuming that it will come in, because all of the support, everything that we do is from churches and individuals in our sponsorship program, the majority of it from here in the States. And I will admit with you, I, I get a little stressed out and worried. 
uh, because you're dealing with, especially with your employees and your workers, we have a, a staff of eight, you know, you're dealing with kind of their livelihood. And so I was driving down and I was listening to one of my favorite pastors, Louis Giglio. Are you guys familiar with him? They do those passion conferences and they fill stadiums for these, these passion weekend conferences where college-age students and people from all over the United States and even world come out for Bible studies and worship. And the, the last one they did was in the stadium where the New Orleans uh, Saints play. And they packed it out. And they did it over New Year's, and then at the end, they, Hillsong was doing worship, and then they had the clock counting down in the background, and then they lit fireworks off of the, 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 the ceiling of the stadium. It was this massive thing. And so Pastor Louis, Louis Giglio was talking about um, all the people that sort of said, how do you do stuff like this? That is crazy. How do you and your wife have enough faith and enough belief to rent a football stadium, shoot fireworks off the top of it, and do these massive Bible studies and worship times? And he said it was simple. He said it's because from the beginning, we have seen God again and again and again and again and again show his faithfulness. So he talked about from the very beginning when they first got started. And he said over and over and over and over. And he said every time we do it, God does the exact same thing. He provides. He's faithful. And he said that's what motivates us to do these next things. That spoke to my heart so greatly. And I made a commitment on that car ride to the Lord I just said, Lord, I don't want to stress. I don't want to worry as we're looking to expand and do some of these things. And anytime I start doing it, I'm reminded of these last two pictures. Um, this is an, uh, Charlie and a bunch of his dudes came down and they, they brought a drone and they were doing a bunch of video and whatnot. So I took a little snapshot. So this is our property. All of that, imagine all of that being gone and it just being filled with apple trees. That's what it was. And this is where it's at now. And I can look at that and I can either say, oh man, how are we going to do a school or how are we going to do this? And I can start worrying or I can look at that picture of what God has done again and again and again and again and I'm going to assume that he will do the same. And then finally, the last one, just those smiling faces. Those are all the kids we have in there now with the exception of a, of a couple of those, those little gals. Uh, right now, there's 12 kids in there that we care for full-time, 10 girls and two boys. And so when I think of the, 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 the opportunities that these, and these kids are getting and the education and, and the safety and, and the, the regular meals that they're getting and, and going to church and the, the Bible verses that they're learning, and the English classes, and all of these things, I just, I, God, I expect you're going to do the same and even greater. Can I get an amen to that? And listen, um, this does not just apply to orphanage directors. 
This is for every single person in this room. For every single person, when you're looking at your finances, you're looking at your marriage, you're looking at your kids, you're re-evaluating re things, you're trying to figure things out. God is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And he will do it again and again and again and again. And that is the wonderful thing about serving him. That is the wonderful thing about Psalm 72, 18. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. God alone does it. I've shared this with those of you who know us, and especially I mean, my mom's here, my sister's here. I was not qualified to do this. I did not go to college. I do not have a degree. I was horrible at administration. I was just going to be a rock star and a musician and travel the world. Wow, that was, people are laughing at that. <laughs> Could have happened. Wendy. <laughs> but it didn't happen. And by God's grace and his mercy and, and, and us in response to saying, Lord, we're here, we'll do whatever. We're not. <laughs> we're uneducated, we're untrained. Like what it says about the, the apostles. But I love what it says in John. They recognized that they were uneducated, they were untrained, but that they had been with Jesus. And so when you're with Jesus, when you're pursuing him, when you are seeking him, and when you are devoting your life to him, then truly I believe anything is possible. Um, the verse that the Lord gave us in June of 2012, eight, almost eight years ago, Habakkuk 1.5, look among the nations and see, wonder, be utterly astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe even if it were told. So if someone told me seven years ago when we first moved down that that's what it was going to be, oh, and then you're going to open a school, and then you're going to do this, there's no way I would believe it. And so I want to share um, briefly just the verse in Isaiah that the Lord really, he kind of gave this to me as sort of our, every year he kind of gives me a verse, I don't know how it works for you guys, but sort of a verse that just kind of Theme verse, yearly verse, or something that just speaks to you and, and encourages you in a specific way. Well, we had the opportunity for Christmas to go to Utah and spend it with my brother and his family. We had a wonderful time, and we went to the New Year's Eve service. And one of the verses that the pastor shared was this, Isaiah 9-6. Let's take a look at it. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, how many of you have heard that verse before? How many of you have heard that verse shared at a Christmas service before? Okay. It's interesting how certain verses in the Bible, a lot of times it's like they're reserved for certain seasons or certain occasions, especially with Christmas and Easter, right? When it's Easter, you got to share all the verses about the resurrection. When it's Christmas, you got to share all the verses about Jesus' birth. And I'm not saying that these verses aren't shared throughout the year, but oftentimes uh, they're not. 
And then as we build up to the season and to the big service, Christmas Eve service, Christmas services, Christmas program, Easter sunrise, all that stuff, we sort of, we sort of build up with these verses. And for me, I'm speaking of me, sometimes verses like this can get lost in the mix because it's not around the season. It's kind of like Christmas carols. Um, I always wondered as a worship leader uh, before we moved down, I was a worship pastor for nine years, and I always wondered why we only sang certain songs like Oh Holy Night at Christmas time. Now I understand that because it's sort of a Christmas theme, and I just thought it is so powerful, it is so worshipful, shouldn't we sing those things throughout the year? Shouldn't we be reminded of that? So I thought, hey, I'm the worship pastor. I'm going to try something different. So we threw in a few of these songs sort of mid-year. And you know what people said after service? They didn't say, oh, that is an incredible worship song. I love singing. You know what they said? Why are we singing Christmas songs? It's only in the springtime. And so certain things have been sort of reserved for certain times. But the thing that spoke to me as I was sitting listening to the pastor, it wasn't the first half of the verse that said, for us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. It was the latter part. The four descriptions of the name of Jesus. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. And after he read those, I sort of not to, um, not that I wasn't paying attention, I kind of just zoned out a little bit. I guess I was. I wasn't really listening to the rest of what he was saying. And I just kept thinking about these names. As it was applying to the things that I was sort of going through personally. Think about this. I love that Isaiah, directed by the Holy Spirit, as, he was, as he's writing these things, I love that it doesn't just say, and his name shall be called Counselor, God, Father, and Prince. It could have been written that way. But it was as if, the way I like to look at it, it's as if the Lord knew that there would be times that we need to, to, to understand a little bit more. Yes, he's our counselor, but he's our wonderful counselor. Yes, he's God, but he's a mighty God. Yes, he's the Father, but he is the everlasting Father. And not only is he just the prince, he is the prince of peace. And so these, each of these things begin to speak to my heart. Obviously, the first one, wonderful counselor. Anytime you're making decisions of, should we start a school? Should we start a sewing ministry? Should we do these things? You want some counsel, right? You want some clarity. You want some guidance. And when you talk to certain people and they might say, well, I'm not sure. We've never done something like that. Or other people that would say, sure, that sounds like a great idea. Go for it. It's like, well, can I get a little bit more? And I found that oftentimes we go to individuals before we go to the wonderful counselor. And so we started seeing, Lord, is this what you're leading us in? Is this what you're wanting to do? And of course, we talked to the board and, and leadership, and, and it appeared that this is what the Lord had for us. But I want to seek the counsel of the Lord. Psalm 33:11 says, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. 
the plan of his heart to all generations. Secondly, Isaiah writes that one of his names is Mighty God. Mighty God. Psalm 95, 3 6. For the Lord is a great God. He's a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountain are his also. The sea is his because he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. I love the description of that. The sea is his. Why? Because he made it. His hands formed the dry land. God created all of these things. And sometimes we get lost in the mix of all the stuff that is going on and we think, well, he can't provide like he did last year. And so for me, as I was doing the budget and I was looking at what, what came in last year, which was one of our big, which was the biggest year in donations we've ever had. And as you're looking at expansion and, and in QuickBooks, as you're adding in the numbers and everything, and then it's shrinking, and then all of a sudden you hit that negative, and it's like, oh, let me try to tweak it here. What if I just remembered what God has done, and you just plug it in, and then you forget it? And you don't waste another second on it, believing that he's going to do what he has always done. Thirdly, it says, everlasting Father. Aren't you thankful there is more to this life than what we're doing right now? He is the everlasting Father. One of my favorite verses, Isaiah 40, 28, 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends and the earth. He does not faint. He does not grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall fail, faint, be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with eagles, uh, with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That is our everlasting Father. So as as exciting as things get down here, and as motivated we are in everything, That is, it's just for a time before we enter into eternal glory from everlasting to everlasting. And then finally, he's the Prince of Peace. I think this one might be one of my favorites because um, I am a warrior and I have struggled with that, especially since being down in Mexico. You know, one of the top questions that everybody always asks is, is it safe? Or they'll say, what's going on with the cartels? Am I going to get kidnapped when I'm down there? Am I going to get, you know, and all these things. I had a phone call one time when someone, a parent, was wanting me, they didn't say promise me, that they were basically saying, tell me that nothing is going to happen to my child when I go down there. And I said, ma'am, I cannot tell you that. But what I can tell you is I've been going down there since I was 16. We've had over 50 mission teams. We've had, and I just went down the list, and we've not had a single situation. We have not lost anybody. Everybody has come home. 
But nevertheless, when things are taking place in your surrounding, in your surroundings, and, and I'm sure uh, a number of months ago, I'm sure you guys saw in the news where that was that, there was that big shooting in that uh, kind of Mormon community uh, just south of the border. That's about 10 hours away from us. There's a wonderful Calvary Chapel there. And um, so we know individuals that are there. And that was a scary time. And immediately once that happened, my emails, my text messages, and my phone started blowing up with people saying, hey, sorry, we're canceling our trip. Hey, we're not coming down. Hey, things are too crazy down there. Are you guys staying down there? All these things. And there was for a moment when I thought, Lord, is this, you know, is this kind of the final one? You know, blah, blah, blah. And then the Lord just reminded me of Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And his peace, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so as we began to pray as, you know, as a staff and as we were praying for the families in that community over there and just for the country of Mexico, the Lord just reminded us that he is the Prince of Peace. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He's a wonderful counselor. And if he wanted to change things, if he wanted to say, thank you for your seven years of service in Mexico, we're going to have you move on to the next thing, then I will say, yes, Lord, where will that be? But he's not saying that. He's not saying that. He's actually telling us to sort of get ready for the next wave that he's doing. And I'm really, really excited about that. And I'm so thankful for you all. If you were here, you showed the video last week. So if you were here and you saw that video, thank you. Um, we, we could not do it without individuals, without churches, without people who are not, listen, not just sending money for financial support, but praying for us and coming down and visiting us. That's a huge thing. This, this is set to be our biggest year with missions trips uh, with teams through all over the United States and, and the most new churches and groups that are wanting to partner with us. And if that is, that is just a little sign of, I believe, what the Lord is doing. And so I want to encourage you guys, uh, as, we, uh, as we sing another song, um, we were practicing last night, me and my sister, and I said, hey, we got to sing that song, King of My Heart. The first time I heard that song, I was actually teaching at a church in, in uh, I think, Beaverton. And they did the song. And the only kind of part of the song I really remembered was the chorus when it just says, you are good, you are good, oh, oh. You are good, you are good, oh, oh. And it was an emotional time for me, and I just thought, Lord, good does not describe you. It's, you ever have those moments where, where words can't sort of describe? Lord, you are more than good. You, you are everything. You are, and that's what's so powerful about worship. And it's like what Andy was saying. That's the power of the Holy Spirit using words, using music, using these times to speak to our hearts. So I want to encourage you guys as we just close and it's your time to sing or not sing, reflect 
Meditate. But think on those four things. As you're moving into this year, Lord, am I worrying? Lord, am I not seeking your counsel? Have I forgotten you are mighty God? Have I forgotten that you have created the heavens and the earth? And if you want me to go on this mission trip that costs X amount of dollars, then you will provide X amount of dollars. And let's just believe that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace, let's believe that he is going to work in your lives. And for those of you that don't know him, this would be a wonderful Sunday <laughs> to sort of come to the end of yourself, recognizing that you're, you're a sinner in need of a Savior. And so let's pray.